When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tech Sideline is presented by First Bank and Trust Company, a nationally ranked community-focused bank with over 30 locations throughout Virginia, Northeast Tennessee, and North Carolina. Who you choose to bank with can make all the difference. Visit firstbank.com to learn more. What's going on, Hokie Nation? Boy, what unbelievable chaos we have amongst the Atlantic Coast Conference. Teams losing, the Virginia Tech Hokies doing a heck of a lot of winning, and they are tied with Louisville's for second place in the ACC. Big one coming up on Saturday between the Cards and the Hokies. Winner has sole possession of second place and controls their own destiny. But it all started on Thursday night with a 38-10 win over Syracuse for Virginia Tech. We're going to unpack all that and so much more. It's coming up on episode 324 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, which starts right now. Hokies fans, we record on Monday, October 30th, 2023 from our Tech Sideline studio at the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. If you're watching on YouTube, go ahead, leave us a like, comment, and subscribe to our channel. And go ahead and refer the podcast to a friend as well. It certainly helps us out. Let's introduce the football crew is back on set to my right. Lead analyst and columnist Chris Coleman. Across the way, senior staff writer Andy Bitter. In the fourth chair, our managing editor David Cunningham. Producing behind the scenes, Mr. Nick Brown. And I'm your host, Giovanni Heater. Tech Sideline is presented by First Bank and Trust Company. The Tech Sideline podcast is also brought to you by Coldwell Banker Townside Realtors. Trusted real estate services for the Roanoke and New River Valleys of Virginia. If you're in the market to purchase or sell a residential property, or if you're looking for land or investment property in Southwest Virginia, we have you covered. With three offices around the area, visit cbtownside.com to learn more. All right, fellas, let's talk some football here. What an unbelievable turn of events. We talked about the chaos in the ACC. How fun is this? This is fantastic. Who would have thought? Um, yeah, uh... Not after, certainly not after a one and three start, right? You, you don't think you would end up at this point. It's not surprising that there's ACC chaos. You can't call it coastal chaos anymore because mm-hmm. there's no coastal. But uh, yeah, it's 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 interesting. Uh, you know, was it three teams with a three with with, with one loss? Is that it? Just two. Just two. Oh, Louisville wow. and Virginia Tech, the only two left. Well, with one loss. Well, that, that makes it. Uh, just imagine, like, if Virginia Tech had beaten Rutgers. Or not Rutgers per se, but uh, let's say they won two of those games, which they certainly could have. They certainly could have beaten Purdue. They certainly could have beaten Marshall. Um, if they had, they'd be six and two going in there against a, a Louisville team that's ranked. I mean, you might not have two ranked teams. This would be a huge game in the ACC from a national perspective. It's still a huge game for the ACC. It just doesn't seem as big because Virginia Tech has that four and four next to their record. 
it is very strange when we're talking about a team and we're still questioning whether they can make a bowl game, but they're <laughs> playing for sole possession of second place in the conference this week. So just one of those bizarre seasons. I think Northwestern had one of those weird seasons a while ago where they were like, Oh, and four non-conference. And then they came back and they won a terrible big 10 West. It's, but this is, this is one conference. This is just regular, you know, no division players. So that makes like, it even stranger. It's like the NCAA tournament in basketball. When you, when you see like the 16 seed up there every year with like a 16 with like a 17, 15 record or something like that, but they won their conference tournament. So they're in the NCAA tournament. It's kind of what it's like. Or like, uh, what was that? Your, uh, Georgia tech went on some kind of run. No, it's Georgia went on some kind of run to get to the tournament. They, they did, were like with a sub five hundred or something. That, like that was that. when uh, they had to move the SEC tournament because a tornado That's touched right. down and it, it took out the Georgia Dome or something. So oh, they moved it to Georgia Tech's arena. And when we're talking about that, it's a weird season. Yeah. <laughs> it's that what it is. But I mean, that was a, a dominant win the other night. There's so many what ifs, right? When you talk about, I feel like we're going to get to the end and we're going to talk about a million different what ifs. Like, what if Ali Jennings doesn't get hurt? You talk about okay, what if you started Kyron from day one, or what if um, you know, they made the switch in the offensive scheme just a week or two earlier. And, you know, I feel like that's something that at, at the end of the year, we're going to unpack no matter what takes place. But I want to first get your guys immediate thoughts on the win uh, on Thursday. That was big. I, I think it was important. That's three home wins in a row by a significant margin. This one was a little bit different because it was complete domination from start to finish. I mean, it was 30 to three at halftime. The pit game. You know, Tech was in control, but there were still lingering doubts in the third quarter when Pitt scored touchdowns on basically back-to-back plays. And, you know, even the Wake Forest game was a seven-point game in the fourth quarter. So you always felt like Tech was in control of those games, but if something fluky had happened, then those results could have been different. This one was just thorough domination from start to finish, and, and I, which I think that's another step in the evolution of, of a program. Uh, they showed they could beat a couple of bad teams. Now they showed they could thoroughly dominate a bad team. And I, I think the next step is – there are two next steps for me, winning on the road and beating a good team. Mm. They, they could theoretically you know, take care of both of those steps this weekend against Louisville if they can manage to win that game. But, uh, you know, they haven't they, – they, they've turned a corner, I, I think. And there's still a few more corners to, to turn. But, uh, but you know, I think this is the type of progress that we were hoping to see before the season started. And uh, I, think we, I think we thought maybe – I thought to, I, I had Tech going 3-1 and one and then the schedule toughening up and, you know, kind of things leveling out. After that, instead, it's going the direct opposite. Yeah, when you have uh, a matchup in the history of the series that was sixty-two to nothing, <laughs> it can't be the most lopsided result in the series. But this is up there behind that. I mean, this is pure domination in this game. They gave up zero rushing yards in this game. The same defense they gave up eighty-yard touchdown runs, <laughs> you know, to Florida State and all these huge plays. Zero rushing yards for an entire game. Offensively, uh, finished with five hundred and twenty-eight yards. Mm. Um, you know, five field goals. Tucker Holloway contributing on special teams. What they finished with eight sacks. Eight sacks, on, on, correct. Uh, def- I think it was all by the defensive line in that game. I mean, everything was clicking, hitting on all cylinders in this game. Uh, you were kind of waiting for it, and, and the weird thing was. Uh, it could have been worse. I mean, they kicked four field goals after getting in the red zone. This really could have been a worse outcome. It was closer uh, than the game uh, actually was, and that's the remarkable 
remarkable part about it is, you know, just how far this team has come where, you know, a couple of weeks ago we're talking about, oh, what changes do they need to make to the coaching staff at the end <laughs> of the season? Now it seems laughable in hindsight because they've sort of turned this thing around. And, you know, I'm with Chris. They've, you know, they still have beaten, you know, let's see here, three of the four bottom teams in the ACC. Two and twelve combined. So you know, I didn't, you know, I yeah. didn't want to be a Debbie Downer in my column on on the last Thursday, which somebody on the message boards picked out one line in the twentieth graph, like way to be negative all the time in this thing. It's like it's the twentieth <laughs> graph, settle down. Like we can, we can put a little uh, disclaimer on this uh, that far down in a story, but uh, you know, that's the thing you want to see is can they put this together? Can they take it on the road? Can they beat a, a more quality opponent? I was going to save that talk for later, but I, I kind of want to dive into it now since you brought it up, Andy. Five field goals it, it feels like next week you're going to need some of those to be touchdowns and I feel like this isn't the first time we've said that either I'd take you all the way back to the ODU game when we said ah I kind of stalled out in the red zone mm-hmm. could use some touchdowns there just seems like if you're going to beat Louisville and even some of the you don't want to say tougher ACC teams but like you mentioned we played you know three of the worst teams in the conference um, with these wins you're going to need to turn those into six. Well, for one thing, Syracuse was pretty good at red zone defense. We talked about that going into the game. Eighth so they, nationally, Yeah, I they give up a lot of yards, and they gave up a lot of yards on Thursday. They don't give up a lot of points inside the red zone like that. So they are, are a tough team to score on in, in the inside the 20 there. I will say you can look at that as a negative. You can look at it as a positive because – you convert some of those opportunities. It feels like this team is not quite playing to its full potential. Even with how well it played on Thursday, you go, man, there's still more out there for them to to do. Uh, so, you know, I, I guess you can kind of look at it both ways. We're like, man, they're not scoring in the red zone. But you go, hey, if you can convert some of those opportunities, then this thing's really rolling and, and doing even better. That's definitely true. I mean, anytime you win the time of possession battle, 41 41- 42 to 18, 18. T.O.P. Um, you convert eight of 16 third downs. The other team is 0 of 9. You outgain them 528 to 137. Like, you actually expect a bigger margin of victory than 28 points. Yeah, they quadruple them I, up in yardage, basically. Right. I, I, I bet the stats to the 1999 game aren't any more lopsided than this, except for the score. That game was like... It was like two defensive touchdowns and a special teams touchdown. Just a lot of crazy, crazy things happening, you know, towards the end of the game. But uh, yeah, th- this was this was this had that type of feel at halftime. I think that game was thirty-one to nothing at halftime, and this was thirty to three. You know, things didn't descend as much in the second half for Syracuse as they did back in nineteen ninety-nine. But it was the it was the same type of game, um, and so. I think it, I think it was good good for the fan base to experience three consecutive home games where there's a really good atmosphere and where Virginia Tech comes out and you know puts up over 400 yards of offense or 500 yards in this case and scores over 30 points and wins the game with relative ease. I think one of the issues that I, that I that I've had for a long time and this dates back to the end of the Beamer era. I remember writing an article maybe around 2014 or 2015 when Virginia Tech at that time was actually winning more games on the road than they were at home. Like anytime you came to Lane Stadium and and you weren't playing like a FCS team or a non-power 5 team, it seemed like Tech was losing and then they'd go on the road and like upset like Duke, who was in the top twenty-five that year, but you know, then you'd lose to Boston College at home and yeah, things like that. Mar- that four yeah. overtime yeah. game against Maryland, exactly. Or like that. You were doing that at home, and it was just like so much of so much of this fan base comes from Northern Virginia, Richmond, the seven five seven. I mean, these are long trips, and it costs a lot of money to be a Tech fan because of the two night minimum for hotels and things like that. I mean, these fans spend thousands and thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. 
uh, to be season ticket holders every year. And uh, I hated it for them that Tech wasn't winning at home for for, for quite a while there. Uh, and so th- this is what has been sorely needed. And, and I think it's a shot in the arm for the fan base, certainly for the whole fan base, but particularly for the portion of the fan base that attends games regularly. And you mentioned before, uh, you know, there was no like moments of worry no. in this one. I mean, normally Mm-mm. you're like, oh gosh, here you go again. And uh, it's a three hour stomach ache, however you want to describe <laughs> all those games over the years. I mean, it's been like I think I looked it up 2019 against Georgia Tech was the last time there was a, this lopsided of a game at halftime. Uh, and that was a road game, and that was an awful Georgia Tech team that they played. Even some of the games that kind of got out of hand in recent years, I know a couple during that COVID season at home, even at halftime, it wasn't like it was a, a lopsided score. Even quite, ODU this year. Yeah, quite like this one was. So, I mean, from start to finish, this was just a party out there for Hokies fans. It, it had to have been fun in the crowd for people that were watching this. Yeah, I, I can say that uh, the crowd was certainly rowdy, although I will say, Andy, you were right, on, and we'll get into our buy-seller hold results later on. Uh, sellout did not quite happen. I would say maybe wanted to get your guys' opinion. Like, the least hyped up Enter Sandman, they kind of skipped one of the songs. I think the, the, the people dropping in, I don't know if there was any form of a delay, but they skipped one of... Uh, before God's going to cut you down, they play the outsiders. They, they cut that one. And it was just like kind of, it almost felt like Sandman was like, whoa, boom. Okay. We're already doing Sandman. That was quick. Well, ESPN must've been caught off guard because they yeah. were like talking with Dan Mullen about his pregame thoughts. It's like, don't you want to show the intro? Isn't that <laughs> the purpose of coming here for a Thursday night game is to show that. But uh, yeah, it was a little bit sparse crowd up in the corners. Not mm-hmm. a, not a completely full group there, but you know, we expected that we've talked about, how hard it is for a lot of people that are, you know, not in Blacksburg to get here for a game like this. Yeah, and I think I know Tech fans have a history with Thursday night games, or people are obsessed with the word Thursday. But if you're going to have a weeknight game, a Friday night game is better for the fan base. Oh, no doubt, because your your work week has concluded at that point. Right. Um, well, I would argue this, guys, and I wanted to bring this up to you. I, I was talking with another student journalist, Raza, last night, um, and he brought up a great point. You know, Virginia Tech has played arguably one poor quarter of football in their last four games here, and it would be the first quarter against Florida State where they gave up 22 uh, unanswered points they've won or tied every quarter except three uh, of the four against Florida State and then they actually lost the third quarter seven to five against Syracuse other than that they've won or tied every single quarter they've played in the last four games seven to five good game good baseball game but, yeah uh, it's it's been quite a turnaround uh yeah, that was one really bad quarter quarter yes. at Florida State, but you look at how they're performing relative to the line in some of these games. You know, we see the line this week; it's it's Louisville by nine and a half now. I think it's come down a little bit from where it opened up. Virginia Tech has significantly outperformed the line. Uh, Pitt, uh, I think Tech was a three point underdog; they won by twenty three. Wake Forest, uh, one point favorite; they won by twenty. Syracuse, two and a half point favorite; they won by twenty eight. I feel like some of these. Computer models and some of these betting markets haven't quite caught up to where Virginia Tech has turned things around because it's factoring a lot of that early season stuff. So I, I see this nine and a half point line. I go, I know Louisville's a pretty good team. You look at offense, defense, they're really well rounded, complete team. They're playing at home. I still look at that line and I see that number and I go, man, Virginia Tech's playing better than what I thought that line would be. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I think Louisville, besides Florida State, is, the, is certainly by far the most complete team that Tech will have faced so far. You look at the Syracuse team, they scored 10 points against Virginia Tech. Well, that just happens to be the second most amount of points they've scored in a game in their last four, with their highest being 14. 
Uh, Wake can't score. Pitt can't score. Like, so Tech is playing well. But, like, Tech is either giving up 250 yards a game on the ground or absolutely nothing. There's, like, nothing normal. Uh, the, the teams with good running games that they face, they've gotten gashed. Except Syracuse. That was supposed to be their attack. Well, Syracuse doesn't have a good running game. They, they, they racked that up against Western Michigan and, and Colgate. Or, or whoever. I think they have capable runners. Though. I think they have capable runners, but it's a bad offense. I think Wake Forest has capable running backs. They just chose not to use them, uh, and and Tech schemed them into throwing it more rather than giving it to their running backs. Um, but it's it's just the offenses as a whole that Tech has faced. When they faced bad offenses, they've totally shut them down. When they faced more competent offenses, they've gotten gashed. So there's like no in between, and. I think Tech has made progress defensively. I know they have. I know they have. But how much progress, we don't know. I think Louisville is going to let us know exactly how much progress Tech has made on that side of the ball. Yeah, this will be a, a put-up-or-shut-up type yeah. game. I mean, we're either going to find out that Virginia Tech is actually a threat to make the ACC title game in this one, or you know they lose, and then we're back to the borderline of are they even going to make a bowl game. What is the scenario if Tech does end up losing to Louisville? What needs to happen for them to still have a route to the ACC championship game? Because you're going to need help in that case scenario, and obviously you got to win the last three. You'd have to win out and hope Louisville lost twice. You would, and then it gets into a, a mess of, let's say, one, two, three, four, five, six. There are six teams with two losses <laughs> in the ACC right now. Right. You, so can't, you can't figure out that uh, that tiebreaker at this point. I mean, Louisville plays Virginia and then Miami after this. Right. Uh, so well, you'd have to hope for them to to lose, to drop <laughs> into that, then hope you get into some sort of mess of a it, – it, it, It'd be very rough. Virginia is there. playing different level right now. You, you, you need it's true, a, but, I mean, it, it's still – you don't want to have to go into a seven-way tiebreaker or whatever it could possibly be with two. It, w- it wouldn't be that at the end of you the day. You have it, it to would be that, that, that gift from the hangover of all the numbers. Right, exactly. But, yeah. I mean, you'd have a head-to-head loss with Louisville, which certainly wouldn't help. And then Nick brought up an interesting situation. What is it if you do beat Louisville, but then you drop a dud, say, at BC against NC State or against Virginia? There's, there's an easier you're, you're, route there. It's an easier route. You have the tiebreaker over Louisville. But then again, you know, if it becomes a multi-team tiebreaker, then you're talking many divisions, I guess, and things like that. Yeah, well, they, and, they do it where they they have record within that little, like, three-way tie, and then they eliminate a team, and then it can go to head-to-head. So they'd still have a nice win against Louisville. And if it comes down to they have to – how do they do it? You have to, like, go down the standings and who has the best win in that or something like that. It, it's It's right. complicated, so. Two weeks ago – you tried to bring this conversation up, and I shut you down immediately. I'll let you have your two minutes this week. All right. Speed Louisville, and then we'll we, we'll, we'll have an in-depth discussion about it. I promise. I mean, it, it, it's not even a possibility if they lose to Louisville. But if they uh, beat yeah. Louisville, like, it's there. It's there. That's the amazing part of this right. whole thing. Like, it's not complicated. It's just win out, and you would get in. I mean, right now it's win out, and you get in. But they have to win on the road against a ranked team, which I think is – They've a, won. a very tall task and something they've not proven they can do. They, yet. They've won one road game in the Brent Pry era, and that was at Liberty, right? Eleven point dogs in that game. That's right. That's right. Oh wow, wow! Bigger underdogs at Liberty than they are against. That's at, at improvement as a program. Yeah. Last yeah. time they won an ACC game on the road as this big of an underdog was Miami 2019, 14 point underdog. Wow. Hendon okay. Hooker's first start. They right. won by seven. Right. All right. Well, let's go ahead and take care of business on Saturday. Let's give David some love. Got anything for us in the fourth chair, Decona? I do. Um, too many stats to count from Saturday. <laughs> um, I uh, I dedicated a whole section of my my notebook 
um, after the game to a bunch of different stats because there were so many amazing stats. That's what happens when you have 18 sacks or sorry, eight sacks in a game and 15 in the last two games. Um, but like John Love kicked five field goals. He became the, the first kicker since Joey Slide did it in 2016 and the fourth in program history to make six in a game. Or sorry, to make five in a game. Uh, two guys made six in a game. Um, you know, Tootin had a 100-yard game, his second of the year. Um, Tech allowed no rushing yards, fewest allowed since... Florida State had minus 15 on a Thursday night in 2012. Somehow that was a loss. Um, EJ Manuel, that's how that was a loss. It mm-hmm. was just the fourth time since 1987 Tech did not allow a, a, an opponent to convert a third down. Uh, Syracuse was 0 for 9. Um, and seven of those third downs were of eight plus, uh, eight plus yards. Um, that's the first time since Duke of 2013. Uh, the Hokies scored 30 points in the first half for the first time since the 2020 season opener against NC State. Andy already mentioned largest halftime lead since 2019 Georgia Tech. The defense is on pace for 45 sacks this season, which would be the third most in the AC era, the most since 2014. That team had 48. Tech's 30 sacks are tied with the 2020 team for the most through eight games since joining the ACC in 2004. Uh, Tech finished with 318 more rushing yards in Syracuse. That's the eighth largest rushing margin in a game since 1985, the largest since September 2009 versus Marshall, which was also 318. One of four games on that list where the Hokies held their opponent below zero rushing yards on the ground. Uh, Tech has played three games since 1987 where it had eight-plus sacks and allowed zero or fewer rushing yards. I'm sure you remember this game, Chris. Pitt, 1999, mm-hmm. 2002 Rutgers, and then Thursday night against Syracuse. Those are the three games where Virginia Tech had eight or more sacks and did not allow a rushing yard. Wow. Wow. <laughs> it's the first time Virginia Tech has won three consecutive AC home games since 2019. That was the six-overtime game against Carolina, and then the Wake Forest game and the Pitt game, which, of course, were Bud Foster's second-to-last game and, and last game. Um the last time Virginia Tech had two safeties in a season was Justin Fuente's first year in 2016. Um, obviously, Tech had one on on Saturday or on Thursday with Syracuse. Um, it's the first time Tech recorded 12 plus tackles for loss in two straight games since 2000. Mm. 12 versus Temple, 12 versus West Virginia in back to back weeks. And the Hokies, I just looked this up. As of Thursday, the Hokies were one of only four teams to allow opponents to convert on every single trip to the red zone. That's a negative stat. I just looked it up earlier. Virginia Tech is the only team in the conf- in the country, 133, with a defensively with a 100 percentage, meaning wow. every single time an opponent gets in the red zone, it converts. God, can't can't miss a field goal at some point in there. Come on. Now I will say on the other side, um, you guys were talking about the uh, the red zone woes for the Hokies. To start, Tech is 46th in in red zone conversions, 87%. um, 29 times in the red zone, 15 touchdowns, 14 field goals. It's balanced, but obviously, you know, when Tech got in the red zone, um, what, four? Tech kicked four four red zone field goals? Out of six trips. Yeah, on. You'd like it to be four touchdowns and two field goals. on Thursday. Yeah. I don't exactly have any uh, 
Oh, I have one one specific Syracuse question, and then we can get to some other questions later. Um, why do you think Tech ran so many trick plays against Syracuse? Uh, I, I think uh, I think they're adding a little bit to the offense each week, um, and I think it's just something to that uh, to put on film. So it's something for defensive coordinators to uh, to have to worry about, to have to coach their team to prepare for. To say, look, they're willing to throw the ball with uh, was was it Jalen Lane who? Who attempted Lane, it first? And Lane then, ate the first one. He right. th- he threw it away. That's right. And then Malachi Thomas later. Malachi is not a surprise. Malachi was a really good pitcher in high school. So Mal- Malachi's got a good arm. Um, um, so, like, n- and now that I, you know, in hindsight, I'm kind of wondering why they didn't, they'd never broken that, that out before. But uh, may- maybe it was something about Syracuse that they thought uh, they could have more success, but. The main thing, I think, is, is you're just gradually adding to your repertoire each week. Uh, try to make each new defensive coordinator give him something extra to think about each and every week. And, you know, by the end of the year, you've got a lot of stuff piled up that that is difficult to prepare for. I mean, Tech's offense has gone from being, in my opinion, one of the easiest to read running games in the whole country. And that's turned on a dime. It's now one of the toughest to read. That long run by Drones the other night, the entire Syracuse defense just started running out to the right. Bob Schick pulled, and there was nobody there. He ran 30 yards down the field and never touched anyone. That's how messed up the Syracuse defense was. That's how confused they were, um, and which obviously makes it a lot easier for your offensive line to block. They didn't even really have to block, and the play still went for 40 yards. Uh so I, I just think Tech's offense has become so difficult to prepare for. It's so difficult for they're, – they're messing up defenders' key reads quite a bit. So everything – when you have an offense like that, that means everything that the other team coaches throughout the week defensively is wrong. Here's, here's the key you're reading. You're reading the first step of the offensive guard or something like that if you're a linebacker. And then, you know, you do certain things to uh, – you go the opposite grain is, is what the Tech offense has been doing now for four games in a row. And it's the offense that I wanted, and I think they should have been running the whole time. And uh, and But better late than never. But I, I just think they're adding to that every week. And, and the more they add to it, the more successful they're going to be. But with the caveat of it's going to be a much, much more difficult challenge at Louisville. Yeah, I think you look at that uh, Malachi Thomas play. I mean, that was just a they pitched it to him, and it, like it's a running play out to the right. Now all of a sudden, the safety has to think: Do I come up and and try to make a tackle on this, or is this guy going to pull up and throw it? So maybe that gives them the slightest bit of hesitation, and all of a sudden, there's not as many guys descending on the run the next time they run that pitch play. So, uh, yeah, it all goes together. I mean, it it helps us kind of like in the framework of what normal plays look like. I think you know? that. The, the pitch play is, is really interesting this year. You've seen it's an option play. I don't know. This one in particular probably wasn't an option play, and it it might it was a slightly different kind of pitch. But but in general, the pitch it looks like it's been an option for Tech this year. Uh, and sometimes Jerome keeps it. Sometimes he pitches it to, um, to the running back. I think sometimes he's even decided to throw it. So that pitch play for Virginia Tech, I'm like, it's not the base of the offense per se, but it, it's something that they've added a little bit to each week and it's been a difficult play for opposing defenses to stop and and I, and I think uh, that that's going to continue to to be successful for the Hokies but again now again now that's something you have to worry about if you do force the pitch maybe Malachi Thomas throws it 
What did you think of first play of the game uh, offensively taking a shot like that and then continuing to go back to it, ended up hooking up eventually? I'm fine with it. I think you have to stretch the, the defenses horizontally and vertically to be a complete offense, and that does require taking shots sometimes, um, even if uh, even if it's not there, even if it's incomplete. Those are low-percentage plays, but how many yards does that lead to later? Because they, they know you do have the capability of making those plays. And Tech has, they, later on, they did hit a deep ball for a touchdown. Uh, earlier this year, they hit a deep ball for a touchdown against Pittsburgh. So they've shown they do did have that capability. Uh, that play should have been a touchdown because yes. there is a wide open receiver running across. Which receiver was that? I think it was Gus now. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was, I thought it was, it was Quan a on the first one. The yeah. first one. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, whichever one it was, was wide open. And, uh, and he threw it to the guy who was double covered. So there's one of your... Uh, well, actually, this wasn't a red zone trip, so I guess that doesn't doesn't matter. It ended up being a 43-yard field goal. So Andy's probably right because the one that he just overthrew, even though he was double-covered, Quan had like two steps on him, yeah. and then it went over his head. It just went over his head. Um, so but, he almost but, had him. But 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 the other was a walk-in. Right. Yeah. The other was like Danny Cole running across the field against Florida State, and there's just nobody within 20 yards of him. Yeah. Those are the good kind of plays to run. Yes. I mean, eventually you will see those and hit on those. Mm-hmm. That's so, exactly right. Uh, what is it was the James Franklin a couple of weeks ago where the guy asked him the question about, do you just sometimes just chuck it deep? And he's like, it makes my skin crawl. He would even like suggest that. Oh, and then, yeah. then they went out and just had like check down city against Ohio state. So maybe uh, just chuck it deep. I know that's not the offense that Virginia tech's running. There's actually, you know, thought behind it. There's just, method hey, to their madness. Hey, throw it deep and somebody's down there, but sometimes you got to just <laughs> take some of those shots and then they have taken those shots. I thought Tech did a really good job, though, of mixing it up. <clears throat> and and we we talk about that pitch play. It's funny, Chris. Um, I edited Brandon Patterson's story on, uh, I guess, on Thursday ahead of the game, and he was talking about stuff Tech could do. And I think I told Andy about this earlier in the early in the game. Um, Tech ran a couple of those pitch plays. And that's the same play that Florida Florida State had run against Syracuse, and Tech had run it at times this season. But Florida State ran it against Syracuse and found a lot of success, and Brandon broke that down. So kudos to him. And then Mm -hmm. we saw Tech run it a lot. And I think what came with that, and I think uh, Drones was a little bit uh, too energized (laughs) because he overthrew the first couple plays, and he got banged up on that one um, early in the game. He took a little bit of a shot, I think, when he slid. Mm -hmm. um, And then it looked like uh, he was getting checked out on the sideline. It looked like he was... You know, it was his shoulder, but he came back in, and then they they go long on the first pass, and he overthrew him by like ten yards. And I think he was just a little too energized, a little too much adrenaline going. But I thought Tech did a good job of taking advantage of that, and I think Tech mixed it up very, very well, like using different inside zone, outside zone, the pitch, like a lot of motion, like. There were so many times during the game where Syracuse linebackers and safeties were just like, what is going on? And I think it's when you look, when I think back to that Marshall game, Virginia Tech was way, like when Marshall knows what you're going to do, that's a problem. And Tech averaged, you know, over six yards per carry in that game, but only ran it 30 times Mm -hmm. and got away from the run. And I think the steady improvement we've seen to now, it's like, man, this Virginia Tech team is hard to prepare for. And that's not something we said in the first few weeks of the season. Even against 
You know, even against Florida State, Tech was okay offensively. But I think the last few weeks, Tech's really ramped it up in terms of throwing in, you know, a little bit of misdirection here. Um, and I think Kyron Drones has added to that. No, we, we got a question, um, and we can bring it up now. We got a question about Grant Wells. Um, is this the last we see of Grant Wells? And how much would how well would Grant Wells perform in this offense? Is this is this performing well strictly because of the drones thing? And I want to open it up to everybody else, but I think drones running ability and his and and his ability to make defenses key in on the run on the option kind of is just icing on the cake in terms of in terms of this scheme and, and what tech wants to do. Uh I, I think this is an offense that they should have been running from the very beginning, whether drone whether drones was here or not. I think the last offense that they ran had no chance of success, and I've said that many times. It was just too easy to read, too easy to draw a beat on. I mean, I'm not repeating anything that Brent Pry never said himself. Um, I don't, and it shouldn't have taken them this long to change, because in 2019 when they made that change, it took them one week. You know, it shouldn't have taken them ten months or nine months or whatever it was to, to pivot. I've got, I went before tech played Marshall. I actually went back and watched some old, a couple of games of Marshall to, to look at their, watch their running back play and uh, drones and Wells was their quarterback when, uh, when in the games I was watching. So it was from two years ago and, and Marshall's offense had a lot of moving parts to it. And it was pretty similar to tech's running style. Now quarterback didn't carry it as much, but, I mean, drones only carried it eight times the other night, and two of those were sacks. So, yes, I mean, Tech could have been doing quite a bit of what they're doing right now before. Because when you go back and watch the Marshall tape when Wells was their quarterback, that offense was just a lot more varied than the one Tech was running the first 15 games. And, and they kept trying to run the same offense, basically, in drones' first two, two starts, and it didn't work. They were averaging like five yards per pass attempt. Like, like there was no chance to succeed in that offense. And then... Just, I'm on a record saying it. I thought it was that bad, and but you know it's like night night and day now. The types of plays that they're running and and the the variety and the their the willingness to pull offensive linemen in the opposite direction of the play. They've they've run some unbalanced line um, to success. They did that against Wake Forest. Uh, it's just, it's just a much more difficult offense to prepare for. So yes, you've seen the last of Grant Wells at quarterback, but they could have been running for, I don't know, maybe about two thirds to 75% of what they're doing right now. That could have already been incorporated before. And I think if they had done it, I, I think, I, I think if they had run this offense from day one, if this is what they had stalled from spring, I think, and I think drones would have had a much better chance of winning the job from day one. I'll put it that way. Um, and I think they'd be six and two right now if they if they had run this offense from the very beginning. But better late than never. But but yeah, look, drones is the guy now. This offense is suited for him. It's ideal for him. He's got two years left after this. And in fact, every player on offense has at least one year of eligibility remaining. So I think it's exciting times for the Virginia Tech offense right now. And I, I think they're, I think they, they change things on a dime, which is not something you see very often uh, in, in college football when you're able to pull off a scheme change like that in the middle of the season. We saw it in 2019 with that staff. We saw it in basketball with Buzz Williams one year when he changed his entire defensive philosophy in the, in the middle of the season. But uh, 
It's, it's not something that, that is common in college athletics. Normally, you need a, for football, you need a spring practice to pull something like that off. Yeah, I, th- I think Wells could have succeeded throwing the ball mm-hmm. like Drones has in this offense, but I think you can't understate or overstate, I should say, that just how much of a, a threat and a dimension of the offense that Drones brings with his legs. And it's, even if he doesn't keep it a bunch, you know, eight times or whatever it was in this game, the threat of it is enough that it sort of lords over everything you do defensively. Because if, if that guy gets loose, he's going to go for a big play. He has that capability. So you're always thinking about him. Is he going to keep on this one? Uh, and he's got the throwing ability. I mean, that was the question coming in. Can he throw it as well as Wells? I think he's shown he can, and he has. So, uh, you know, if, if you have the same kind of thrower you had before, but you have the runner on top of it, then, you know, obviously there's no choice to be made, and, and Drones is really humming right now. I think there's uh, there's no doubt that uh, you have your quarterback of the future. Since I've been in school here, which would be first first game was that Carolina game to start the 2021 season. This is by far the best quarterback play that, that I've it seen is. here. No, I want to I say this. I was really critical of Drones after his first two starts. I didn't think he played very well. Just like everybody else was really critical of Wells when his 13 starts, when he didn't play very well. I was more critical than I should have been of Drones after those two starts, just like everybody else was more critical of Wells than he than after those 13 starts. We've seen how good the offense is after the offensive switch happens. Like People wouldn't have been as critical of Wells if they'd been running this offense the whole time. And I shouldn't have been as critical of drones as I was. And when he threw so many interceptions, when we got the chance to watch it in practice, I should have known it was because he just wasn't suited for that offense. You know, it was like, you know, round peg, square hole type thing. But I think everything's aligned now. And that's the good news. I wish it had gotten aligned earlier, but, uh, but everything's aligned now. So I think I'm not, I'm not saying you know tech's going to win out or anything like that, but but I, I think you can look forward to a few. You you can see that everything working now. You, it's it's like it's almost it's all downhill from here, so to speak. Safe to say, Kyron Drones hopefully and should be if all goes well. Kyron Drones should be taking snaps until late November of 2025. Yeah, is, is I, I think so. Happen. Now, knock on wood. I mean, every year, every year we sit here and say, I just want to have the same starting quarterback for two years in a row. So I'm saying it again. I'm going to go ahead and start that conversation. Do you think Please is, let that happen. Well, I mean, sign the, of that right, the, the only yes. the only way the only way that doesn't happen is if there's an injury. That's the yeah. only way that that doesn't happen. Well, I mean, go back. How long was Gerard Evans supposed to be the quarterback here? Right. When pro early. How long was Josh Jackson supposed to be the quarterback here? Got hurt. How long was Hedden Hooker supposed to be the quarterback here? The COVID season happened. Distrust with the staff. Everything that went down with that. So. Stuff happens in college football. So if you're talking about 2025, like, my goodness, that is a long, I mean, we don't even know if the ACC will exist in 2025. (laughs) I mean, so much can happen in college football in that short amount of time. I say just enjoy it for now. Hope that he comes back next year and continues along the way there. And uh, anything, 2025 would be gravy at this point. I will say this as far as, like, player retention. Remember after 2016, Gerard went to the NFL even when, it looked like he wasn't going to be drafted. Bucky Hodges declared when he knew he was going to be a late round pick. And Isaiah Ford declared, even though everybody knew he was going to be sixth or seventh round. These days with NIL, you get these guys, these borderline guys, six figures. Stick around. Might stick around for an extra year. David, you had something for us? Yeah, I think when I when I think back to the spring, Kyron Drones gets brought in from Baylor. 
And when we had our discussions, I, I think we all knew it was a close battle, but from everything we saw in practice, Wells was the guy because of the way Virginia Tech wanted to play. And I think people, you know, whether it was people on the message board saying, well, why, why isn't it drones? Drones can run the ball. People got sick of Wells, whatever. People questioned it. And people were like, well, why, like, why would Wells be, why would Wells be the guy? And to Wells' credit, I think we saw what he can do in that very first game against Old Dominion. He threw the ball very, the ball very well. And the second quarter against Purdue. Yeah, yeah before he got hurt. Yeah. I mean, he was kind of dealing yeah, there yeah. in that second quarter. And I think in in week three and week four, you saw what Kyron Drone, like we've we've seen three different pieces of the Virginia Tech offense <laughs> yeah. this year. We saw Virginia Tech under Grant Wells in the first two games. We saw Virginia Tech under Kyron Drones in the old offense in the sec, in the third and fourth games. And we saw we've seen Kyron Drones in the new offense. And by far the best product is obviously Kyron Drones in this new offense. But I think when you think about those first four games, what we had seen in the spring was three and four. Yeah. We saw three and four in practice. We saw three and four when Kyron Jones threw a couple picks in that practice, and Grant Wells didn't. I don't think what, Grant Jones was necessarily comfortable in that. And I think you saw that a little bit against Rutgers, against Marshall. Um, not that Jones played bad, and obviously once he got some actual reps under his belt, he played pretty well. Um, but I think this offense suits him that much better. And it's, it's just kind of funny how at the beginning of the year it was, well, Wells is going to be the guy because this is how tech wants to play and it's better suited for him. And then Wells got hurt. And I think, I think as a result, tech had to adapt. And when tech figured out stuff wasn't working and tech adapted, tech adapted to something that Pride probably wanted to do all along, which is this offense. And it just so happens it's better suited for drone skill set. And that's where we're at now. Yeah. Okay. So I, I went back and read an article that I wrote last December, uh, a couple of weeks ago. And it's interesting because my original prediction from last December was that drones would be the starting quarterback. And I wrote that because in the article, as I said, the fact that they went out and signed drones and the fact that they late flipped Pop Watson shows that they're pivoting to a new style of offense. And I think that's the style of offense that they're about to change to. And therefore, they're going to be running this system in the spring. And it's going to, and it's, it's going to favor drones. And he's going to be the starting quarterback because they're switching to this specific style. I think I even called it in the article like the Hendon Hooker offense or something like that, uh, which is kind of what we're getting. It's, it's pretty similar uh, for, for, to, the, to the Hooker offense. Not quite as much misdirection in the passing game. But other than that, pretty similar. Um, so that's what I wrote in December of last year. Fast forward to the spring, and they go out there and they're running the exact same offense they had been before. And it's like, this doesn't make it. Why, why, why are you going out and signing these mobile quarterbacks and then still running the old style offense? And Drone struggled in, in that offense in practice. He did. I mean, we were all there and saw it. And they stuck with that offense until they just couldn't stick with it anymore. And uh, But at any rate, it's been a real interesting evolution, I'll say, ever since December. Um, you've got two quarterbacks who I, I think in the right situation can be successful. And finally, finally, I think they're 
being put in a position by their coaching staff to be successful. And you see how the offense has taken off. Chris, I got a question I want to piggyback off that for you. But first, I got to tell our viewers, as always, Tech Sideline is presented by First Bank and Trust Company. Check out their new Checking with Perks account. It comes with cell phone protection, roadside assistance, fuel savings, deals and discounts, and so much more. Visit firstbank.com to learn more about this great new account for students. Chris, you were just talking about that. I want to ask... Okay, so why? Why did they stick with it for so long? Was know. it some form of loyalty to Grant Wells? Uh, Was it? I think they're they're trying to. You want to make it a you want to have a competition, a legit competition, but at the same time, you also know your returning starter has a lot more experience, and he knows the system that you've already got. Um, so I, I think they were uh, hesitant to change too much, and I, I but I also think they were. I never had an issue with like the the schematic concepts of the passing game. I, I think the main issues in the passing game is that it was always third and nine because Tech couldn't run the ball. My main issues is uh, is the running game itself, and it was so unimaginative. And you know they they could have done things to help that before. I don't know why it took them so long. And and I don't like I said. I mean, it shouldn't have taken that long. You can pivot a lot faster than that. They they pivoted into in twenty nineteen in one week. Yeah. Right. Well, I think, but I don't it, want to keep hammering on that. So sometimes, you mean, sometimes it just takes time. It, it yeah. does. I mean, yeah. Kyron had, had played what, like one half yeah. in his career before that. He gets here in January, he goes through spring practice. I mean, he was a young quarterback. Sometimes it just takes time for these guys to kind of for it to make sense in regardless of what system they're in. So, yeah. uh, you know, obviously that opportunity got pushed to the forefront when Wells got hurt. But, you know, the quarterback he was in early September, I think, is drastically different than what he was uh, in April. Regardless the, of the offense, there were, there playing. was a play in the spring game where uh, it was a regular ten yard out, and I'm sure most if you were at the spring game you remember it where he threw it like into the dirt, like seven yards short of the receiver, and his technique was so bad on that play, and for, from how from his throwing motion to his footwork and everything, and you watch that play and you're like, I don't know how this is going to work. He's made so many strides since then. I think his technique has gotten better. Uh, so you have to give quarterback coaching a lot of credit yeah. here uh as well and he's the offensive uh, coordinator well i'm talking about brian christ oh, oh, oh because remember uh, uh we had i won't say who we we had with somebody on the team and in, in here in the office for an interview uh earlier this year and he was basically like yeah chris does a lot of technique work with the quarterbacks even those guys technically can't coach right um but yeah so i think whoever deserves credit for it that, that I think they've, they've made tremendous strides with, with drones as far as his technical ability as quarterback since, since the spring as well. Well, guy that we have uh, failed to mention yet at this point, we've talked all about the defense, but how about APR Antoine Powell Ryland? He's fourth in the country with nine sacks on the season. Uh, how impressed were you guys with the D-line as a whole? Eight sacks. Last week, the week before, they had seven mm -hmm. sacks, 15 in two games. That's good stuff. I, I wrote on Friday, now this was before the weekend's games, but if Tech hadn't recorded a single sack the first six weeks of the season, they still would have been ranked 67th in the country in sacks after Thursday's game. That's how many sacks they got in the last two games. It's insane. Uh, APR, obviously a great addition. He's going to be the first guy in double-digit sacks since Daryl Tapp. You also have to take it with a grain of salt because Wake Forest is 125th in sacks allowed and Syracuse is 120th. <laughs> I mean, these are two teams that cannot protect the quarterback at all. So, but so you got to play who's in front of you. Correct. You know? you're, you're exactly right. And either way, Tech has obviously much improved there. APR's got nine 
But, you know, it's, it's evenly spread out after that. So it's a group effort after that. And overall, it is better. I mean, they do have their stud pass rusher that they wanted. But I think across the board as a team, they're a little bit better at it uh, this year, too. I think what was impressive, nine different guys got in on part of a sack uh, last week. I mean, that's, that's spread out pretty well on the team. I know APR gets the headlines, but I thought that was a relentless group across the front. It wasn't just him that was getting after the quarterbacks. I, I mean, that's that's really what it boils down to on the defensive Elijah line. Clock getting after yeah, the Yeah, Elijah Clock getting that. He, he, yeah, he, he got a sack, and I'm he like, and James Jeanette got in there in the end. He got that one. I'm like, is that somebody that just got the number wrong? Or says, I've, just, I've never <laughs> heard of him before. So congrats to him on, on the half sack there at the end. But, I mean, uh, you can have, like, a fearsome pass rusher, but if nobody else is getting after the passer, you can put two guys on them. You can chip them with the tight end. You could double team them on the edge and that you're not, you know, you're not going to get hurt on the other side. If you do that with this line, the other guys are capable enough of getting there. It's a, it's a group effort. And then, you know, I think that's helping APR get to the quarterback as well. Cause they can't, you know, just focus on him solely coming off the edge. So impressive job they've done with that group. I know JC price was a, a message board, uh punching bag for a while there uh, with some of the results that he's gotten, but you got to hand it to him this year. They're really getting after the quarterback. A lot of those sacks were meet me at the quarterback sacks where it was, if the first guy hadn't gotten the sack, the other guy would have, I mean, case in point on the, safety was it, was it was it was Powell Ryland and uh Cole Nelson, Cole Nelson. Nelson. Yeah, yeah yeah on the safety so it was, it was it was like an old school tech pass rush where it was it was not just like one guy back there getting like a solo sack by himself it was it was multiple Crunch. guys exactly yeah those are always fun to watch well let's fly through this uh this buy or sell here from last week a little bit uh andy continued to 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 be pretty solid i will say will struggled just a little bit uh and again i don't want to take a crazy amount of time on this considering david and chris did not partake a week ago but certainly worth going through i felt proud of the lines i thought the lines were really good and then some things went and blew up like tech going for 318 yards on the ground and syracuse having zero rushing yards who would have (laughs) seen that coming but uh i mean either way you owe me money is what we're getting to here, right? You're putting your own money behind these lines. I saw your tweet and other people tweeted as well. Are we counting this Malachi Thomas touchdown as a, when as cashed. a I, 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 I cashed at the books. I I'm put it saying. as a no because your tweet was right. You said it, it wouldn't have done any time touchdown score. That's Would right. Have counted. Um, so we'll be start specific out. with your wording on these. <laughs> yes, absolutely. We'll start at the top. Lane Stadium sells out. You and Will both sold. It did not sell out. So that put you guys at 1-0 on the week. A good start. Uh, Virginia Tech scores 30 or more points. Will sold that. Andy sold it as well. Tech did score 30 or more points. So you guys were wrong on that. Virginia Tech gives up less than 24 points. Andy bought it. Will bought it. Uh, and they did give up less than 24 points. Virginia Tech has five plays of 20 or more yards. Will bought it. Andy bought it. And they had exactly five plays of, was it of right 20 on or the more. Number. It was right on the number. Wow. So the line was good. The line was good. Virginia Tech has three or more sacks. Uh, you guys both bought it. Well, they had eight. So they had that in like the first 15 minutes. Yeah, they were all over. <laughs> first play of the game was a sack. Right. It, yeah. was, it was a very good start to that number. <laughs> no doubt. Tech gets an interception. Uh, Andy, you sold it. Will bought it. They did not get a pick. And this is where you and Will started to separate yourselves a little bit. Kyron Drones goes turnover free. You guys both sold it. He did not have a turnover. He <laughs> was begging for one, though. He threw he one. Throw we right say right that the every yeah. week. No, there was one yeah. that he threw in the red zone that the yeah. guy jumped the route and he just dropped it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
And, did, and did he fumble this week? I don't. This that could have been. That could have gone the other think, way. Yeah, I don't yeah. think that he fumbled. Uh, he did break Sean Glennon's streak of uh, most consecutive passes without an interception. How about that? Uh, you know that stat was approaching at halftime, and I tweeted, and people were like, "Nice jinx, way to go!" I'm like, "It's thirty to three. I think it's like, going to be okay. Like it's all right. So for the rest of the half, every time he completed a pass, I'm like, almost, he's now two passes away. From I almost like wish he had thrown one in the second half. Just like get it out of your system. Right if he now. if he had thrown it after I started mentioning. It every time he completed a pass, I would have been like, all right, I own that, yep. uh, that jinx. But as it turned out, he did not throw the interception. Also, uh, pretty funny, Sean Glennon read that and is like, I had no idea until now that I still had that record. So That's funny. he enjoyed it for like 30 minutes and then he gave the record away. I will say this was the first game that he did not put the ball on the ground, though. There was no mis-exchange on a handoff. Tootin did not fumble. Drones did not fumble. That was a positive takeaway. It's a very clean game in that regard. Yes, yes. and here's a stat for you. Bysol Tootin, 18 carries, zero lost yards. Thomas, 13 carries, zero lost yards. Duke, four carries, zero lost yards. Chance Black, three carries, zero lost yards. From where they were in that pit game. I think Pitt had like 11 tackles mm-hmm. for loss or something like that game. I mean, that's that's a credit to the backs, but also the offensive line. I mean, yeah. We haven't talked too much about the offensive line and the strides they've made. I, I just don't think it's an overwhelming group, but it's not. you no. don't rush for that kind of yardage without your offensive line clearing some holes. There were some huge holes in that game. Oh, yeah. And, you know, these running backs aren't being met in the backfield mm-hmm. as often, and certainly not at all in this Syracuse game. Syracuse throws the ball 25 or more times. Andy sold it. Will sold it. Uh, and you guys were correct. They threw the ball 18 times. They only had 40-some <laughs> plays. I mean, they yeah. were not on the field very often. They, they, I mean, that, zero third-down conversions? They based did a on lot the of score, the over probably should have hit them that. They were at 43, they plays. 43 plays, and eight of them were sacks. They punted so they much, we hurt throw. their punters. All right, all right, so, so, all right. so what'd you, what was it, 25? Is that what it you said? It was at 25, the line. Okay. So they only attempted 18 passes. They but tried they to, tried they tried to, to attempt 26. So because okay. the eight sacks. Yeah, because right, the eight right? sacks. So right. The, right, you have to start thinking about those things. That's true. But, right, they didn't throw it. Uh, you should what, How you should probably phrase it from now on is there will be drop 25. Or, yeah, drop backs. Okay. Yeah. Oh, there's so many yeah. RPOs. That's yeah, there, there are. Tell who's gonna yes, throw it. it can be hard. The to bottom tell. line is that's a winning ticket that I have. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. That is, uh, you guys are helping me to continue to think a little bit deeper. So I appreciate it. Schrader has 13 or more carries. Will bought it. Andy bought it. He did not. He carried the ball 11 times. Close. It was close. 11 carries and eight of them were sacks. Yeah. That was one of the oddest things to me. Now, I know. The game got out of hand pretty quickly, so that you're going to call more passing plays then. I thought Syracuse would come out first drive, run, run, run. Based on their strengths and weaknesses in offense. I mean, how many yards did Trader have rushing against Tech two years ago in Lane Stadium? A lot. It was like 174. It was ridiculous. Right. Yeah. It was, he ran all over them. And he's a good running quarterback. And they just come out. I thought they came out pass happy, which I thought was interesting considering – the strengths and weakness, their own strengths and weaknesses, and also their own strengths and weaknesses of the opposition. Uh, but again, I think this is going to be Dino Babers last year for the fourth year in a row. Well, yeah, we, we, we get that. That is the buzz uh, up there in, in central New York. Uh, Virginia Tech throws 26 or more times. So I'm curious to look at the dropbacks on this. But Tech 
Uh, throws the ball 26 or more times. Andy bought it. Will bought it. They did not. They threw it 24 times. Ah, two not, running not back true. passes. Not true. Two running back passes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, I think you guys got me there. And I thought I even looked at that because there is one point where I Drones put, had 24 and... 16 two, of 26. Sorry, sorry. Drones had 24 and Thomas and Lane each had one. You yep. guys got me there. GM tried to cheat. Cheat us out of our money here. So upgrade Vegas over here. I will say the line was good then, though. I put 26. Yeah, you. Yeah, that was a good job. But, uh, but You've lost two of these on technicalities because of uh, receiver and running back passes, and it wasn't any But technically, touchdown. Tech tried to throw it 28 times because Drones was sacked twice, too. That's right. So, yeah. so now I have to update. It would have been right either right. way. There we go. There we go. Um, Kyron Drones, 60 or more rushing yards. Uh, Andy bought it. Will bought it. He did not. He had 56 net rushing yards. He gained 65 yards, but he only had 56 net rushing that's, uh, yards. That was one of those where that's probably good. didn't need to. You know, yeah, I mean, right. eight eight rushes is pretty low. I'm going to take credit on the line again there. He's going to be fresh going into Louisville because by week and then you only have eight carries the next week and two of those were like sacks that where he got like drugged down they weren't like hard hit so he's going to be really fresh going into going into louisville kyron drones four or more total touchdowns andy sold it will sold it and you guys were correct he actually had one total touchdown uh, on the ball game jalen lane 60 or more receiving yards and a touchdown a little bit of a, a player prop there tag team Andy sold it. Will bought it. Uh, it did not hit. He did have 72 yards uh, receiving, but he did not score a touchdown. Those, in this t- game. those combos with the touchdown, that's where it always gets you. <laughs> you didn't like it because of that. Yeah. That's right. Can we, and he scores a lot of touchdowns. Can but, we talk about my favorite play of the game? Let's, my let's favorite do it. play. Yeah. Please. This is the throwback. It was the th- when drones rolled right, and then he threw back across to Lane, oh, who, yes. ran a, who ran a deep slant. Yeah. <laughs> when you, that's a tough play to defend when, the, when you catch them in single coverage. Like mm-hmm. that with with no safety help, yeah. He uh, he turned that guy inside out, and you know drones has the arm strength to throw it back across the field uh, on a deep ball, and that that's if you have a a quarterback who can throw it that far and a, a slot guy like like Lane who is not easy to defend, then that that's a that that's a tough play. For a defensive coordinator. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it almost looked like that's not how it was supposed to play out. Where drones rolled here, it looked like it was going to be kind of a a, a hitch route. Um, and Lane like almost had diagnosed that it wasn't going to be there. And then because he started breaking towards the sideline, then broke back out the other way. Well, the, uh, the, and drones hooked up with him. It was a corner post. Gotcha. That, that was the design. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, now I mean he had other options on the play, but. That's the option you want to take when you see single coverage out there like that. It was a pretty ball. It yeah. was. It was nice. Um, that was a fun one to watch, no doubt about it. Let's see. Bayshall, two and 15 or more carries. Andy bought it. Will sold it. He did have 15 or more. He had 18 for 118 yards and a touchdown. Quite quite a day for Bayshall, two and. And a long of only 15. So it was a consistent very consistent pure dominance yeah. again you know asserting the will the the entire game uh malachi thomas touchdown <laughs> andy sold it will sold it technically no <laughs> but he did pass for a touchdown which was not on anybody's bingo See, card technically okay. correct is the best kind of correct it <laughs> what, means what, you, what, win. you you have to you're gonna have to start setting these up malachi thomas involved in a touchdown yeah i, I mean who would have thought for a touch it counts for a touchdown yes um who would have thought that 
Malachi Thomas was a threat to throw a, a touchdown. I mean, I knew we had a baseball background, but I don't think any of us would have sat up here and said, I think Malachi Thomas has a chance to throw. I think he's got to throw a touchdown today. Syracuse yeah. certainly didn't see it. <laughs> no. no, no, not at all. Virginia Tech, 230 or more yards through the air. Andy bought it. Will bought it. Didn't hit. 210 yards through the air. Virginia Tech, 150 or more rushing yards. Andy sold it. Will sold it. They blew it out of the water. They had three. Doubled it up. Yeah. 318. Very, very impressive. Uh, Syracuse under 175 rushing yards. Will <laughs> sold it. Andy sold it. And uh, they had zero rushing yards, oh, which my is goodness. crazy. Wait, we sold them being under 175 or we bought it? You guys, according to this, you guys both sold them being under. Really? We thought they would go over You thought they would go over 175. For some reason, I thought, that, I thought they'd be under that number, but... I don't think I would have typed it wrong, but I could have. I maybe we'll have to fact check. Don't it. shortchange me on this. <laughs> maybe I'm just trying to go back and go. No, I wasn't 175 <laughs> yards off of my prediction of that. Right, right, right. Uh, Virginia Tech wins. Andy bought it. Will bought it. The Hokies won. If they win big, or, or excuse me, not if they win big. If they win, are they bowling? You guys both said yes. Now, obviously, we're gonna have to see your thoughts. Now, does this look like a team that'll win six games? You feel a lot better about it. Um, you know, regardless of what happens this weekend, uh, you know, Boston College, I know they've looked feisty lately. Uh, their quarterback got hurt last week, so I don't know really what his status is going to be going forward. NC State actually looked good last week uh, beating Clemson, but that's not a team that uh, week to week you feel has the consistency. Plus, you get four him in Lane four. Stadium. 203 yards of offense for NC State. In that was game. it? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, they, they had a pick horrible. six in that yeah. game. Uh, tells you where Clemson is. Cle- well, right. right, Clemson's now. not four good. and four. I think crazy. I think Virginia Tech is better than Clemson right now. I would love to see him play. They won't, but it would be cool. And then at the end, you you get Virginia, which has looked a lot better, a lot more competitive in these last couple of weeks. So I, I don't say that one's a gimme on the road or anything like that. But I'm thinking, you know, odds makers, Tech still probably favored in those three games. Maybe maybe one of them, one of the road games, is tighter than I think, or the NC State, but. I, I would feel good about them winning two of those three down the stretch, regardless of what happens this weekend. I think they will beat NC State at home. Um, NC State, they changed quarterbacks. Hasn't helped. The offense is, is broken. It's just not a good offense down there. They don't have much skill position talent. Unless they're playing Marshall. Unless they're playing Marshall, <laughs> which weirdest game ever, because that those two teams, that never should have happened <laughs> against each other. But, uh, yeah, I, just, I don't I don't see – I think NC State's defense is good, but I think Tech will win that game at home. It's going to come down to winning one of those road games. And Tech has won one road game in the Brent Pry era. So, like I said, that's, that's one of the next steps. That's one of the next corners to be turned. They've turned the corner of blowing out bad teams at home, and that, now they've got to show at some point that they can win on the road. Um, I, yes, I think I think they'll win one of at least one of those road games. Um, I I would like to win one of the next two because I don't want to leave it at four and six. You no, know? that's bad when you're yeah, when you have to. Yeah, no yeah. outs. At yeah, that yeah, point. exactly. And they have done that before, but that that's not something that that you want to uh, you don't want to have to take that one to the bank. Um, so uh, hopefully they can pull one out either this week or at Boston College. I was worried about the Boston College game before the season started because it's at Chestnut Hill. This is not a 3-9 and nine Boston College team like I think most of us assumed. BC we is one win away from bowl eligibility, bowl eligibility. and play Syracuse this weekend. They might be 6-3 and three in that game. Yeah. So you can't even say it's like a bad Boston College team anymore. I mean, Tech struggles up there against bad BC teams, much less mediocre ones. Uh, they got a mobile quarterback. We'll cross the, the BC bridge when we get there. But uh, as far as the overall scheme of things, 
that one looks like a more difficult game now than it did at the very beginning. And I already already always thought it would be difficult. BC, three-point dog this week at Syracuse. Mm. It's hard for me to Hammer favor Syracuse. Yeah. <sighs> that, that's, it's hard for me to that's favor one of those, Syracuse That's one of those, what does anybody. Vegas knows? Yeah. Because yeah. 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 like, it doesn't make but sense. It might, it might, have, it might come back to the Castellanos injury. Yeah. Probably. Even he, still. He did come back <laughs> into the game, but. Even still, when a team that's been outscored 150 to 34 in the last yeah. four games is favored by uh, three points, even at home, you yeah. have to go, like, mm. what am I not seeing here? Yeah, it's, yeah. The thing, too, is like everyone was like, oh, is is, is Tech going to struggle against the best running quarterback? Obviously, they didn't struggle against Garrett Schrader at all. Well, Castellanos is a completely different style yeah, runner. He he's not this big, tight end body. Like, he's incredibly yeah. elusive and fast. And, 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 and it, never, it never came down to the quarterback run against Syracuse because it was a blowout early on. Syracuse, they didn't try much of it early to begin with. And who knows if the game had been close over four quarters, maybe you lean on it. But you know it's thirty three at halftime. You're done with the quarterback runs at that point. BC, I mean, this guy will come come out and he'll carry it twenty times if he's healthy. I mean, look what he did to Florida State. I mean, he ran all over them, which is pretty incredible to think about. Um, but th- it's a heavy part of their offense is, is him running the football. So it makes sense that he's a little bit banged up right now. It, it I, felt like oh, one second, David, and then and then we're, actually let's go to you, David. What you got? Well, first? I was gonna say. Chris, you talk about it never felt like Syracuse never, it never like that never was a, a thing. That's because Virginia Tech got to Schrader on the first play of the game. Yeah, It's third and 28 on the first drive of the game. That's what I mean. It, it, yeah. It's, for, it's yeah. like Syracuse, Syr- like I said earlier, um, Syracuse, seven of Syracuse's nine third downs were third and eight or more. Yeah. And then the other two were th- between third and four and third and seven. So I never had a third and short. No. Yeah. So Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech backed Syracuse up into these situations where even if, you know, I think you look at that, that first drive of the game, Schrader's sacked and there's an intentional grounding penalty, it's second and 21. Seven-yard rush, there's a holding penalty. Mm-hmm. So it's second and 28, then it's third and 28, then it's fourth and 21, they punt. That is a successful drive from Virginia Tech. Syracuse, two penalties helped. But even, you know, Syracuse had a penalty on the next drive. The first drive, the third drive of the game for Syracuse, that Syracuse did not have a penalty. It was first and 10, second and six, third and six. Syracuse didn't even try to run Schrader. And at that point, it was 10 nothing. Mm-hmm. You but can like, still do it at that point. You, yeah. And you could still do it at that point. But Schrader didn't really run the ball. Like yeah. I don't know. I don't know why they they tried to run Allen and he was okay. Um, yeah, he finished with forty two yards and he picked up a couple here or there. Um, he had a long of fourteen, but but the longest run Schrader had was seven yards. And I think that was on the draw when it was third and twenty eight yeah. on the first drive of the game. And, and so I, I think Tech did, and maybe it was just something that Tech did defensively. But I thought the Hokies defensive front. I mean, Andy talked about it. Eight sacks, mm-hmm. all from the defensive line. When, when you bottle it up like that, it and and you put Syracuse in. If they have nine third downs and seven of them are passing situations, that's tough. And that means they either got stopped on first and second down, were sacked. There was a tackle for loss, incompletions. Like something happened, and that's a credit to Tech's defense. I thought coming out of a bye week for both teams, 
Syracuse was egregiously outgame planned by oh, Tech, com- which was awesome. No to question. See. No question. Um, yeah, I think Tech is a. Uh, I think Tech. Tech's defensive staff manipulated Wake Forest offense into doing what they wanted to to do. Um, I thought they were easily able to outcoach Pitt. Not not that Pitt does a lot schematically offensively, um, but yeah, I, I think the the Tech coaching staff is is getting the better of the of the opponents that they're facing right now. Um, have a huge task on their hand this week, and we'll get into this more on Wednesday, of course. But but we we know Louisville is well coached, you know, based on what what Brom did at Purdue. It's so hard to win at Purdue, and he's gone into Louisville and and won at a higher rate than his predecessor in in his first year. So. Uh, a bit different challenge this week, um, but I, I certainly feel a lot better about the situation than I did a month ago at this time. Let's get everybody's final thoughts before we wrap up the show today, Andy. Massive win. I mean, it was it was, it was a blowout win, something they haven't had here in a long time. Uh, you know, we talked about the bye week or open week. They haven't won coming off an open week, uh, played like that uh, in, in a while. It's just refreshing. You know, it feels like for the longest time with this program, we're talking about when are they going to turn a corner? When are they going to turn a corner? It feels like they're turning that corner. And uh, you still have to see more. Uh, but, I mean, how refreshing is it to have a win like that? No really worries throughout the game. Uh, you're, you're looking at bowl projections. You're seeing Virginia Tech in bowl projections. Like, that's exciting for a fan base to be able to open that up and read that and dream of the possibilities of where they could go at the end of the year. And that's even before you talk about this, uh, you know, scenario that could play <laughs> out with the ACC title game. I mean, you, crazy things, crazier things have happened in the ACC. So uh, don't want to get too far ahead of yourselves on that because I think ACC, uh, Louisville is a, a very tough opponent coming up. But, I mean, uh, from where this program was a month ago, this is just night and day. I know, I know. It says four and four next to Virginia Tech's name, so you've got top twenty-five Louisville versus four and four Virginia Tech. But like, this is a Tech team that, if the changes that were made had been made earlier, I think would be a six and two Tech team, and we and I think everybody would be looking at this game a lot differently than they are. Um, so it's a big one. Um, we'll, like I said, we'll find out exactly how much Tech has improved when they when they play this game this weekend. Uh, I'll also add that uh, to add to further add to the excitement of the Boston College game, it is a noon game on the ACC network. Oh, lovely. Exciting noon on Chestnut Hill. Glorious. And, and, perfect. And you could be back in Blacksburg by midnight. <laughs> you'll, you'll be having no, clam chowder for lunch, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you'll be getting clam chowder for dinner. On the town in Boston, <laughs> they will be enjoying it. Perfect. Yeah, there we go. The subway will still be open when I'm leaving the, uh, go. the uh, stadium at night, so it'll yeah. be perfect. Uh, yeah, Gio, I think the biggest thing is kind of what Andy said. Um, there, there, I think us included, we all had a lot of doubts, and, and rightfully so. After after those first four games, Virginia Tech was one in three. This was not a good football team. I, there was talent there. The signs were there. But when you keep a quarterback in the game that's injured for too long or don't run the ball when you're averaging over six yards per carry. Couldn't stop the run. You can't, and yeah, well, that <laughs> when you can't stop the run consistently, like, it was, Tech was, it looked like Tech, felt like Tech was taking, like, a step forward and then three steps back every single game. And then that pit game rolls around. And Tech, granted, bad pit team, but Tech came out and just played the way it should. And credit to Chris Marv, who has cleaned up the rushing defense. Again, big test this weekend. Uh, 
Louisville ran for over 280 yards, I think, this this past weekend. Yeah, um, good. Now it's been give or take. I, the, against NC State, Louisville only ran for 20. So <laughs> th- there are some positives and negatives there. Um, but Tyler Bowen, I mean, th- this offense is playing to a quarterback strength. And a couple weeks ago, we weren't saying that. We were talking about, is there a chance that Virginia Tech has new coordinators at the end of the season? Because the signs were not there. The signs are there now. And that's credit to them, credit to everybody involved. Um, this Virginia Tech team is in a good place. I think the ACC championship game stuff is a little far-fetched, but it's a possibility. We'll find out more this weekend. But I, I think the biggest thing is that this Virginia Tech team is on track to go to a bowl game. And that is a solid, if Tech makes it there, that is a solid success in year one, or sorry, in year two, after a you know three-win year one, Getting to at least six wins would be a positive. And then you build on that and go from there. Like Chris said, every single player on offense is eligible to come back. Like there are a lot of positives going forward. And if you know, if the offense looks like this with everybody back next year, you get potentially Nolly Jennings back. Um I I think there the hope is there. And tech as uh as you wrote, I believe, Chris, turning a corner. Tech turned Tech turned a corner over the last couple games. That this middle four game stretch, I think, looking at it before the season, I'm not sure if you know. I think we all thought it kind of defined the season because you had Pitt and Florida State, and I think we thought Pitt was going to be better. Then you had Wake Forest and Syracuse, but it it, it kind of defined the season in the way that Virginia Tech went from being maybe one of the worst Power Five teams in the country to showing maybe some of the best signs of promise of any of the Power 5 teams in the country. Trust the process, right? Uh, After four games, I did not trust the process, and now I trust the process again. I think that kind of sums it up for me. It almost makes you think, too, like, what are we going to be talking about next season? Hokies football has a pretty bright outlook, and uh, I I can't wait to continue to chat about it with you fellas. Uh, What's coming up on Tech Sideline this week? Of course, we'll be back here on Thursday. Well, Well, Jason Stame sent in a couple articles that I didn't have a chance to post uh, at the end of last week. Uh, I'll post those today. Other than that, a normal week. Uh, Is it normal media week available? Yeah, yeah, should be. But we got plenty of basketball stuff. That's right. Basketball Basketball stuff starts starts next week. We talking hoops next week? We we have to. We probably we have to, to talk at some point. At some Thursday point this week. Yeah. yeah. Well, we need to talk off the air because uh, yeah. originally Will wanted to do a basketball preview podcast last week. So we need um, to get a basketball preview podcast in at we some do. point. Okay, so. okay. We'll talk off yeah. the air. So Beautiful. there's well, the game the, first game's Monday, right? Yeah. 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 So there sounds like we might be doing two more pods this week. Maybe. Yeah. Well, it's we'll on see. the table. So yeah, there's plenty of plenty of basketball content to go around. Um, if if you didn't see it. We had Kenny Brooks on the podcast on Friday. He was fantastic. Um, and shout out to Carter Hill and Jack Brizendine. They were down in Charlotte with me. They um, killed it. Last week, yeah. Carter Hill got um, Kelly Gramlich from the AC Network on, Joel Berry from the AC Network on, to talk with, along with Kayla King and Melodra Poti. And he had a, like, 13-minute interview-ish with Seth Greenberg, which I thought was really cool. Um, they talked a lot about his Seth's time in Blacksburg. So lots of good content. We'll have even more this week. It's for me, it's almost basketball season. So yes, sir. I'll be in Louisville with Andy, obviously, but uh, 
We're we're tr- we're flipping the page essentially. All right, so I I can't wait to talk hoops as well. You know it's a good thing though. Last year at this time we were already so on to basketball. You know yep. it's a good thing when you almost forgot that the season opener uh, is on Monday. Of course David did not, but we were thinking when are we going to talk about this this massive Louisville football game and we get to talk hoops as well. Well, yep. I think that's going to do it for our show today. Did you have one more thing, Chris? Or no, you? I don't. All right, sounds beautiful. All right, for Andy Bitter, for Chris Coleman, for David Cunningham. For Key McCrimmon and Nick Brown behind the scenes, I'm Giovanni Heater saying so long. We'll see you later on this week to talk some hoops and to preview Louisville. This has been episode 324 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. We'll see you next time.